Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 376, How to Have the Conversations You're Avoiding with Chris Hughes. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy Weiner, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late for love and that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect and rewards that she deserves in life and love. I can't believe I've been doing this show for over six years. Um, And when I started, I've been thinking about this a lot because when I started, I was completely clueless as to how to have a show. I wanted to grow my reach and reach more people, but I never imagined that I'd still be doing it six years later. And, you know, we we can't know the end of the story until we actually just start taking steps. And so many people are so scared of taking the steps they need to have the life that they want to live. And so I want to encourage you to to take that first step. You know, like Martin Luther King said, you don't need to see the whole staircase. You just need to see the first step. So take that first step. That's my tip of the day. And um, and just take a step towards towards what you want, towards what you what you're passionate about, and and be be in line with who you are and what you love. Um, so before I bring on Chris, I just wanted to let you know that I have a free Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. Don't forget the your. And this is for women over 40 who are either in a relationship or single and want to grow, want to learn how to be um, healthier in their relationships. So this is not a place to post, uh, this is why I hate dating and what's wrong with people that's not that's not our group. Um, we, you know, there's a lot of groups for that. You can find it. You can find plenty of those on Facebook. But what we do is we help you become in touch with the skill set that you need to really find the lasting love that you desire. And now for my guest, Chris Hughes. He's a facilitator of consciousness, and he's also an arts and antiques curator. He's actually about a million different things. <laughs> Um, he earned his degree in opera and song at the University of Western Ontario, and he worked in professional opera. He also did singing telegrams and voiceovers for video games and cartoons and elevators. He also moved to Australia to get a master's in integrated marketing and communications. He is managing director and curator at the Antique Guild in Brisbane, and he's the Vice President of Australian Antique and Art Dealers Association. He facilitates classes for Right Voice Right Voice for You, which is a program of access consciousness. We've had many of their facilitators here on Last First State Radio. And he wants to help people live beautifully, all the way from Australia. Chris Hughes, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for that very warm introduction. I'm humbled. I should say I'm all the way from Australia, but I am a Canadian originally. And my father was from Ohio, so it just gets even more mixed up. (laughs) (laughs) I moved about 12 or 13 times, so I can relate. And I wasn't an army brat. We just moved a lot. And um, it's interesting to to have a multicultural, multi-geographical life. 
right? Yes. Oh, I I wouldn't trade it for the world. I speak to people all the time, and they either don't have a passport or they've never left the country, and I just think to myself, wow, there's so much out there to explore and so much out there to expose yourself to. Why not go out and taste a little bit of everything? I so agree with you. I, I went out on a date once when I was visiting my daughter who lives in Israel, and I dated a guy who was a widower, and he said to me that he'd never left Israel, and he barely left the city that he lived in. And I was like, why Why don't you explore? I mean, even explore the country that you live in, the state you live in, the, the countries nearby. And then I... He was very limited in many ways in his thinking, and it was not the right match for me. But then he said, I'd like to come to America and visit you. I'm like, wait a minute, you haven't even left your city, and you're coming to – okay. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's so much to explore outside of where we live. and But a lot of people are afraid of change and afraid of, you know, like, how? what if I get lost? What if I don't know the language? So what's I know this isn't mm. really our topic today, but what what is something that helps you when you're in a new country? Um, well, one of the one of the, I think the key things whenever you're somewhere new, and whether that's the landscape of a relationship or the or the landscape of the planet, is to I I focus on letting go of my expectations. Anytime that you have an expectation or a desired outcome or you're searching for a specific result, you kind of limit what can be to what you've decided it should be. Um, So, you know, if I'm somewhere new, I never try and compare it to where I've been before or expect it to have certain things or be a certain way. And then things can just show up as they are. That is beautiful, and a lot of people struggle with that. You know, they want to control yeah. the outcome and can't let go. It's really, really hard. Yeah. So what helps you to well, let when go? I, uh, well, it's really just a choice. It, it, it's, there's no real doing of it. You just have to examine what your thoughts are, what your expectations are of something. Um mm-hmm. And and just look at it and go, okay, I'm upset about this, or I'm upset that this isn't turned out the way I think it should be, and and change your point of view. Like, say, for example, um, I travel to Italy a lot, and one of the peculiar things about Italy is, in all the hotel rooms, they don't have an iron. And I know <laughs> that might sound like a really ordinary, simple thing, but when you are getting up in the morning and need to get dressed to go to work or go out for lunch or dinner or something, you want to press your shirt. And as part of their local laws and customs, that's not possible. You have to pay the hotel to iron it for you. And because of fire regulations and too many people burn down hotels, that's the way it is. Um, And you can get upset about that. I mean, it's your choice. You can bring a travel iron. You could get upset about it. Or you can go, okay, things are different here. Cool. No problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, we always have so choices. So it's more just a change in attitude. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. All right, so let's talk about the topic at hand. And um, 
we're going to be speaking about having those conversations you're avoiding. So what are some of those conversations that people don't want to have? <laughs> yeah, well, again, um, from what I've discovered talking to people, it once again is usually the place where people have got an expectation or a decision in place about what is going to occur if they have those conversations. Like, say, for example, in business, um, having conversations with staff that are maybe not performing at a level that uh, you're happy with. Or or if, say, you're, if you've got a coworker who's saying or doing things, or even an employer who you're not very happy with or you feel a little bit put upon or or you're uncomfortable with their behavior. Um, usually we stop ourselves from having those sorts of conversations because we're afraid of confrontation and we're afraid of really calling things as they are because we're worried about how people will then perceive us. Mm-hmm. And I, what I usually do for people is turn that on its head a little bit. Um, and a great example I can give is I've had a staff member who, who's worked for me for quite a while. And we developed a bit more of a friendship than just a, a boss and employee relationship. And there were some things going on in his work performance that were, let's just say, a little bit lackluster. You could probably even push it so far as to say lazy. And okay. I was not calling him on those things and asking for things to be different because I, at the time, wanted to be perceived as a nice guy. So I'm sure there's lots of people out there who have a similar thing going on where they want to be perceived a certain way. And it occurred to me at a certain point that he couldn't change his behavior and have another possibility available to him unless I grabbed the reins and said, you know what, this doesn't work for me. I know you're my friend, but you can't do this anymore. You can't show up late. You can't do half the work you're supposed to do because we're friends. You need to do more if we're friends and you actually care about me. Great. And I, I put him on the spot a little bit, not from a space of ultimatum, not from a space of do this or you're wrong, but from really stating what was true for me. Uh-huh. And some of, the, some of the things I said to him were quite strong. I said things like, look, I'm starting to resent having to pay you your wage because from my point of view, you're not actually earning it. And from here on in, we're going minute by minute. We're not going to assume you have a job tomorrow. I'm really sorry to do this, but I can't proceed, and I don't want to do you the disservice of how you're going to engage with future employers if this continues. Hmm. So it was, <laughs> it was very direct. It was very clear. Um, some uh-huh. people might listen to that and go, wow. Uh, I don't know if I could be that intense. Um, But as I say, once I got over my point of view of what he was going to think of me afterwards or whether we would still be friends or et cetera, et cetera, 
it actually created space for something totally different to turn up. And it actually made him look at it and go, and later come back to me and say, hey, I really want to thank you. I started looking at all the places in my life where I was taking things for granted. And because you stopped me, I actually feel like I can be better in so many areas of my life. Mm. I love that. And that's what often happens. You know, I, I I remember years ago I read a book called Fierce Conversations, and it's by Susan Scott, and she talks about the same thing, that when a boss called somebody in and said, your coworkers are not getting along with you, and in order for you to stay on as a freelancer, um, you can either train with me about how to, you know, develop these communication skills, or you'll be asked to leave, you know, think about it and let me know tomorrow. And she said that she finally agreed to, to be trained. And a year later when they got the account, she gave a speech. They were having a party and she said, "Not I was really pissed at you that night. You know, I came home, I was mad. But not only did you help me save this job, you helped save my marriage. Cool. Yeah. That's so great. People don't realize the power of speaking up and not and and also I think with friendships, with romantic relationships we're often afraid of pushing someone away and, and um losing that person in our life if we speak our truth. Yeah. So can you speak to that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, well See, within Access Consciousness, as you said, I'm a facilitator of consciousness. There's a number of specialty programs of which I lead one of them, which is Right Voice for You. Mm-hmm. And we do anything from actually working with people, people's voice in terms of stage fright, but also interpersonal communication. And there we were having a group discussion between the people who organize everything and talking about what Right Voice has created for them in their lives or what it's changed. And one of our interns, we were asking her uh, how, you know, what has showed up for her. And she said, you know, I have to be honest. I've been on a lot of meetings with you guys, though I've never been to one of the seminars. And so much has changed for me. She said, I have a stepmother who has been awful to me my entire life. Just really mean, really abusive, always made me feel like I was less than her. And after hearing you guys talk for a while, I started questioning myself and going, why do I put up with this? So I turned to her one day and I said, you know what? You don't get to talk to me like that anymore. Is that clear? Mm. You have a choice. We can be friends and we can be in each other's lives. Or we can just be cordial and go about our separate ways. What would you like to choose here? And her stepmother was so uh, taken aback and totally changed her perception and point of view of the of the lady because of her willingness to just say no mm-hmm. you don't get to treat me like this anymore saying no for so many people is the one thing that they're not willing to do yeah there's even in uh, in a lot of my seminars I give people this one particular exercise where I ask them uh, at lunch or during the night in their course, 
I ask them to go out and ask for things that they think they will be told no to. I say, go speak to three people, not from the class, and ask for something that you're sure they'll say no to. And what people invariably come back and discover is most people don't want to say no. They will do anything to try and please you or try and give you what you're asking for. I even had one woman at a seminar in Buenos Aires. She, she thought, okay, I know exactly what to do. She called her ex-husband and she said, darling, in the divorce, you got three houses and I got one. Do you think we could even this out and you could give me another house? <laughs> and she was sure he would say no. But he uh-huh. said, okay, let's, let's meet on Monday with the lawyers. And <laughs> wow. he gave her a house. <laughs> That's a big yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. So, I teach a course on boundaries, so this is <laughs> this is my language. And I, I, I was speaking to one of my children recently who has been saying yes to a lot of invitations that she wants to say no to. And so I... I asked her if she would like some some tools to be able to not say yes when she means no. So I always check in now because I don't like to impose my opinion or give advice when it's not solicited. And um, I talked to her about the pause of like um, just waiting 24 hours to say yes. You know, just saying I need to think about it. Let me let me consider that. But it's it's just important to not have that auto yes. Just, yes, I'll do that. Sure, yeah, everything's good. And not really say, yeah. no, that doesn't work for me. You know, exactly. In my in my relationship, or my marriage rather, I have had the tendency to always be the one to go, yes, 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 and agree to everything. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Uh, my travel schedule would fill up to an extent where it would be unworkable. And my husband is more the the is a more conservative sort of person and he's more likely to go no first and then think about it and it's been such a gift for both of us to see each other's perspective and point of view and go for me to go hang on I don't have to agree to everything and vice versa for him to be able to look at it and go oh wait what if no wasn't always my initial reaction mm. that's good so you because in each, each other. case yeah, and, and it's brought each of us to a point where we, as you say, take a moment and ask a question and go, does this actually work for me? If I say yes to this, is it really going to create more? If I say no to it, is it really going to create more? And follow whichever brings you the most joy and whichever's lightest. Yeah, most people are so out of touch with that one too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this consciousness, you know, and that's why it's called access consciousness, um, you know, to really elevate how you're how you are in the world. So people who say no all the time, I actually spoke to somebody recently um who was a potential client. She said, "I don't have a problem saying no. I say no all the time. I have a problem saying yes." And so people can have, you know, a tendency to go either way and not it's it's both are unconscious if that's all you're doing and not really thinking about it. Yeah. Well, if it's not an actual choice, it's a knee-jerk reaction, then it isn't consciousness. Mm-hmm. 
Because consciousness, the way I look at it, judges nothing and includes everything. Mm -hmm. And when you're willing to include everything, you examine every choice, even if it seems like a silly little inconsequential choice. You examine each of them as potential to create more. Less separation and more inclusion of everyone and everything. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean you have to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it will create more if you say no. Yeah, that's true. It certainly creates more space when you stop saying yes to the things that don't work for you. Yeah, and aren't really true for you. Yeah, yeah. That's And a lot of people don't know what's true for them, so that's, that's step number one. <laughs> what does light yeah. you up? What makes you happy? What brings exactly. you joy? Um, so when we're communicating in a relationship, and I want to run something by you. Um, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a situation that one of my clients shared with me today. So um, she's been in a relationship with him for about six months, and uh, they, had a, they had a big blow-up recently and basically started to just, run by each other all the lists of why what's wrong with each person <laughs> and what needs to change oh, good. and yeah so i was uh she's going to have dinner with him tomorrow night and i was talking to her about how to bring up tough situations what i found is that a lot of a lot of the issues were about triggers and they were about some of the things is how we respond to our triggers like for example when she loses something and she's muttering to herself, I wonder where that is, and then he'll step in and go, did you try here? Did you look here? Did you do that? And it makes her want to kill him. So mm-hmm. in a situation like that where she's now fuming because she's made up a whole story about the fact that, well, you know, when you do that, I mean, she doesn't say this out loud, but when you do that, you're, you're telling me that I am incapable of finding things by myself and you basically have disempowered me, so leave me alone, get away. Um, and then they both they both end up unhappy. So how would you handle right. a situation like that? Well, first of all, I would address that list that they've come up with, where uh-huh. these are all the triggers and all the whole story that they've built around on why each of those particular things creates a particular result. You know, like she's, as you've just described, has the story built around when he helps me look for the keys, it makes me feel like this, etc. The biggest, again, get back to the, like one of the first things um, we talked about was that oh, it's all our expectations of how someone should be and how someone should react. Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's a place that I look for in any relationship where we have a level of intimacy with each other. Um, and intimacy, I don't mean a physical sexual intimacy, but I mean an intimacy where we have trust, we have allowance for each other, we have gratitude for each other, we have honoring of each other, all of those energies uh, for those to be present. So, I would look at all the things that you've decided are wrong or annoy you about the other person, and I would go, okay, if I was having gratitude for this person, how could this be different? Mm. 
not trying to make it wrong or counter it with the opposite. Just go, hey, what if I could celebrate this part of this person? Like, say, for example, in my own marriage, my husband and I have a really different way of being with money. Our financial realities are totally different. I'm a shopper. I like to spend. I like to invest in different things. He's a lot more conservative with his money and likes to keep it um, saved. Recently, we had a really good month, and we had made a lot of money, and I said, honey, why don't you go out and enjoy some of our money and go shopping? And he came back with four pairs of socks. (laughs) And some people would go, oh, he's not enjoying it. He's not having any fun with it. He's so silly. Why can't he go and have fun like I do? But therein lies the rub, like I do. Uh-huh. has nothing to do with what they actually desire. Yeah. Like when the husband's trying to help someone find the keys, you have to get that in their world, that's being a contribution. So what if you could honor their willingness to help and go, hey, thank you for trying to assist me here. You don't need to fix me. And... I really appreciate you trying to help. Mm-hmm. Like be grateful for it showing up as it shows up. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I told allowance her that too. for the other person. Yeah. The problem when you You've don't been acknowledge. You've doing this forever. You're the you're great at this. <laughs> no, the problem when you don't acknowledge is that he started to feel like he was useless in the relationship, and I think a lot of people. Yeah end up like that, like, why am I even here? Because obviously you don't need me. And when you can acknowledge appreciation for your intention, um, you know, I have people in my life who give me unsolicited advice all the time, and I appreciate that you're trying to help, and can I tell you what would help me more? (laughs) It would help me more (laughs) if you checked in with me before you start spewing your (laughs) insight. Yes. Thank you very much for your point of view. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also, you know, something I I was listening to something recently and that, again, you know, we think of things through our lens, like you said before, like I do, like I would do, and like, you know, and it's once we get out of that mindset, it is so important. But we also have to communicate what what our needs look like. So, for example, I was listening to some expert talk about um, I need comfort. What does comfort look like to me? It's going to look different possibly to me than it looks to you. So that means I want to be hugged. I, you know, want my hand held. I would love to eat some pasta. You know, whatever whatever yeah. comfort looks like. But to me, comfort might look like taking a walk by myself in a forest. You know, I don't know. So we, we have to be that explicit about what we need and what it looks like. Right, and have no shame around asking for it. Yeah. Being able to say to your partner or somebody in your life and go, hey, <clears throat> I actually really need or really desire X, Y, and Z. Is that something you're comfortable with? Mm-hmm. And being able to have that conversation without fear of their reaction. Mm-hmm. I would like people to be to be able to ask for whatever it is they require and desire without fame without sorry not without fame without shame 
and without guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be an and amazing And just world, being right? able to ask. Yeah. Like if people, if people mm-hmm. around you actually were able to speak what was true for them and what they actually desired, instead of hoping for you to get it via subtext, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, oh my God. things would be so much simpler. Oh, man, that is so true. And, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of mind reading and a lot of projection and passive aggression, and it's no fun to be in that space. It's like, just tell me. Tell me you're yeah. pissed at me. Tell me tell me I pissed you off because yeah, I, I can handle that. Yes, exactly. And then we can talk about it or not as you desire. Exactly. But if, you're, if I'm just supposed to read your mind... So the, my, one of the tools I use to navigate that is I ask two questions. I ask, what do they expect of me and see what comes up? And then I ask, what do they require of me? Because from my point of view, what they require is the truth of what will actually create a different possibility and create change. And what they expect is more often the projection they have of what I should do or I'm wrong. And rarely are they the same thing. I love that. Yeah, the shoulds. The shoulds are where we get tripped up. It's like, you know, and yep. who does that? And they shouldn't have done that. I would never do that. <laughs> yep, every should that you don't, you, don't, uh, you don't complete makes you wrong. What if you yeah. were never wrong? Yeah. You're just what different. If? Mm-hmm. Isn't that a concept? <laughs> mm. um, yeah, so the people get really trapped in that right or wrong thing. Um, so, how, so what do we do in that case when, um, you know, you get into that trap of I need to be right? Again, you have to be really honest with yourself and go, hang on a minute here. Is it more important to me that I'm right right now or that I'm free? Is it more important to me that I'm right in this instance or that I'm happy? Because there's so much freedom and so much happiness in not needing to be right. All those conversations that we're avoiding having, because we don't want to be wrong. But if you're willing Mm -hmm. to be wrong and just own it and go, hey, you know what? I don't have all the answers. I'm not always correct. I don't have a perfect relationship. I'm not perfect. And being willing to go, okay, hey, Universe, show me. Show me another possibility. If I didn't need to get it right, be right, and be perfect, what else would be possible for me? Mm. And you start living from the joy of life instead of getting it right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's probably like a lot of protection of ego and all the other stuff that keeps us from having the relationships that we want. Yeah, and our projection of what it's supposed to look like. Oh, yeah, and we have terrible ways of understanding relationship because of what people show us in the world. Yeah. And Yeah. Yeah. So, Chris, um, there's so much more to say about this, but unfortunately we are at the end of the show, and I would love to hear from you some final words of wisdom for people who want to go on their last first date for those who want to go on their last first date I would suggest that you give up 
any idea of what you think it's supposed to be and be willing to go on the adventure and ask yourself, if I was really being me and really having fun with my life, what could this look like? And then just follow your nose, follow the energy and see what shows up. But not from a point of view of what it's supposed to be, but what you feel like having today. Hmm. Yep, get rid of what, what it's supposed to be. You know, and it, it, I yep. love that. So much of the adventure is not knowing the ending. <laughs> it's the uh, being yes, open exactly. to what shows up, the surprises. Yeah. I like to, yeah, and I not tell people all the you. time. Yeah, because if you have this fixed idea, you actually could be, you could have met the right person and not even recognize that person. Absolutely. When I met my husband, I know we need to wrap up here. He told me I was a dickhead without, uh, pardon my language, but (laughs) (laughs) I'd written a dating profile saying I was looking for the Oscar Wildes of my generation. And he wrote to me saying, you don't know what you want. You're a so-and-so. And I went, huh, interesting. <laughs> and so we got to chatting for months before meeting. Oh. <clears throat> so he wasn't afraid and to call you out. And he had all the qualities that I was looking for. Hmm. Oscar Wilde? Didn't look like what I thought, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's everything it you need that you don't realize because a lot of people have a fixed idea about what they want, but they don't know what they need. It can be very yes. different. <laughs> I employ um, a lot of young people, mm-hmm. and they all have this funny idea of what they need that has nothing to do with what would actually make their life greater. Yeah. Yeah, it's ticking off the boxes. That's what got me into the wrong marriage. Yeah. It's Yeah, that mm-hmm. looks good. Tick, 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 and then no... <laughs> <laughs> it did not work. <laughs> um, well, this has been amazing. I, I just love this topic and love getting, just spreading this wisdom. Um, I I got this beautiful message from a woman on Instagram about a month ago who is 30 years old. She's said, I'm not in your age demographic. I'm not in midlife, but I have gained more wisdom from your podcast than any other place and that I've searched and she said that this this has helped her to know that she's enough and it's like this little voice inside of her is growing and to me to be able to bring experts like you to give people a new perspective to help them understand that they have the power within to create the relationships they want both with themselves and with others that's priceless so thank you for helping me on that journey Thank you for having me. It's been a great honor. Thank you. And thanks, everybody. Oh, we, we just tell us where we can find you, and then uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Look, I have a website called MrChristopherHughes.com. Mr. is in MR. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also find me on the Access Consciousness website, and both of those have sort of up-to-date listings of all of the different seminars I have coming up or some free videos and downloads, that sort of thing. So, yeah. Reach out and find me. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for doing this wonderful work in the world. And thanks, everybody, for listening today. And if you love our podcast, please rate and review, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
and I hope that you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Thank you.